Welcome to the Rumble Podcast. Here at Rumble, we are a catalyst and a movement that exists to reach men, connect them to Jesus, and equip them to live as kingdom men. In this episode, we're going to our 2021 regular Joe's Conference. This takes place every year in November, and our theme is based around Acts 4.13, how the people looked at Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were regular Joes, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. We want you to sit back, relax, and let this speak to your heart. In some ways, what I did in the main session was a bit more of a kind of big picture um, idea. This is what I'm trying to do in this one is actually introduce you just to some of the themes that I've been, I guess, writing into, speaking into in the last year or two around the whole area of, of resilient discipleship. That, that's a phrase maybe that, um, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that phrase? Or, um, well, let me start with a story and then we'll dig in to some things together. And I might get you to kind of chat to your neighbor as we go as well, so that it's not all just listening from the front because you might have enough of that today uh, as well. But let me start with a story. Last year, um, I was out running in a forest um, and I came across a section of the forest that um, where, where there'd been a load of trees that had been well, fallen down or, or been removed, actually. Um, so they've been cut down and, and removed. And what used to be a kind of whole section of forest was now just this like wide open, dense, really barren space. And uh, that, that was okay, I saw that. And then immediately next, what, what really caught my attention was that immediately next to the trees that had been deliberately removed was the next section of trees along there was the front row of all of those trees had just seemed to have fallen down all by themselves. And it kind of caught my attention as I was running around the forest, it got me thinking of, of how that came to be. Was it just a coincidence? So, so this section deliberately removed, um, you know, deforested, and then this section of trees right beside it that had fallen down all by themselves. And so I was thinking, was it just a coincidence? Was it just a coincidence that these trees that had stood for years and years and years had just fallen down at the exact same time or a similar time as the other ones that had been cut down? Was it that these trees had been surrounded and sheltered by the other trees around them? So they had, you know, been sheltered from the storm and the winds that were around them. And they had maybe been freshly exposed to the winds around them and that, that had caused them to, to fall, maybe. Was it that they had been strengthened when stand alongside of a group of other trees that they had been, you know, they kind of received nutrients from the, the roots and protection from the wind. And whenever those things were removed, they found themselves unable to survive on their own. Was it the issue of tough, of isolation in tough conditions? Or was it a problem of poor preparation that they hadn't ever built up the strength themselves to stand without the other trees around them? Anyway, these trees, have become for me a bit of a metaphor or a parable for me over the last couple of years. Where in the last 20 months, many of the things that people have relied on traditionally in their faith were stripped away. Um, gatherings, events, conferences, um, mission activities, programs in the life of the church, even worship itself. Um, many of those things have been taken away. And it's caused some, I think, it's caused an exposure in some where some people have maybe drifted to the fringes of fellowship or maybe some people have floundered in their faith. And I think we've seen that in the last couple of years. We've seen the exposure in some. Um, 
And I'll talk about the opposite a bit later on. Maybe unlike those fallen trees then, so there's the conditions, the current conditions, and then there's also our culture, which I hinted at in the main session, where some who no longer, there's some who no longer walk with Jesus like they once did. Maybe they were fine when they were in the kind of safety of the Christian bubble, but maybe unprepared for environments where their faith was more challenged. They were maybe okay on the mountaintop. We were singing about that this morning. Okay on the mountaintop, but struggled in the valley for whatever reason. And uh, maybe sometimes the cultural pressure has caused a weakening of faith or a, or a giving up of one's habitual spiritual rhythms. For whatever reason, people with a lack of roots or shallow roots have struggled to stand. Um, a recent book I read last year called Faith for Exiles revealed that the percentage of young adults who drop out of church in the USA had increased to 64%. Um, this is all the bad news first, okay, we'll get to the good news later. Um, but that's almost two-thirds, okay, of 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in the church and were active in the church as a, as a child or teen have withdrawn from church involvement as an adult. And those st statistics I recognize are for the US of A and they don't always correlate or translate, but to be honest, I haven't seen much that convinces me that we don't have at least a similar issue. It might not be the similar stats, but it might be, but I think it's a similar issue. Um, whether it's due to the current conditions or due to the changing culture, I think we've discovered the need in the last 20, 20 months. In some ways, in a time of exposure, we've discovered the need for deeper discipleship, deeper roots, stronger roots of discipleship, better foundations in our faith. Um, a church leader said to me, uh, in my role, I, I deliver a lot of training and develop resources across the uh, denomination, across Presbyterian Church, and I engage with a lot of leaders. And one minister said to me, you know, COVID hasn't changed anything in our church. It has exposed everything. It hasn't changed anything, it's exposed everything. And I thought that was really uh, quite an interesting, insightful thing. And then, so therefore, when we're exposed or we're, we're facing challenge, extra challenge, resilience, and this is true of all of life, not just faith, resilience is then described as the ability to adjust to or recover readily from adversity. Okay, so I think we've all had to learn this, haven't we? You know, even the guys in Fight Club were talking earlier on about, you know, uh, responding or adjusting to different patterns. So whether it was Zoom or using different technology or using different forms of gathering, we've all learned and in, our, in our work situation or our home life, we've all had to learn to adapt and adjust. You know, there's needed to be a resilience in people to respond and make them make the most or continually adjust to the situation we find ourselves in. And resilience in some ways is a word that has risen or a term that's risen to the fore, that in challenging moments or difficult times or in even uncertain times, we need a certain type of resilience. And it's risen to the fore in things like the sporting arena. Don't know how many times watching the Olympics, I heard an interview where, where an athlete talked about the resilience that they had helped them or needed, sorry, to, to get them to where they were now. Um, around the whole area of mental health uh, it's being talked about. And I suppose I began to kind of think and reflect on this, of whether this is also critical in terms of our faith. As we watch maybe people who drift to the fr fringes or flounder in their faith, is resilience what we need? And then what helps, the question came, then what helps to build that resilience? What helps us to develop um, the type of faith that we'll be able to stand whenever tough times or challenges come our way. In the case of children, if you want them to develop something, 
we understand that we get them we, we do we want we, we get them to develop something by challenging them to grow okay we ch if we want them to grow in something it doesn't just come automatically we challenge children to learn in the case of building fitness simply doing one work andrea and i were just chatting about it you know andrea seasoned runner at the back just uh chatting about you know how do you, how do we kind of get fit or build fitness actually simply doing one workout <laughs> isn't enough but actually in development of fitness it comes through commitment and it's perseverance over time as well and so building resilience in our faith is not just about keeping going no matter what and just gritting our teeth Resilience is about growing, learning to adapt, persevering, adjusting with the understanding that it might not be easy. And that's why I think the writer to the Hebrews said, let's run with perseverance to race marked out for us. Because the writer was acknowledging something as he wrote that. If you need perseverance for something, it means it's not gonna be easy. <laughs> if, if something's easy, you don't need perseverance, you just do it, okay? And so the writer to Hebrews was, recognizing that faith following Jesus is not easy. The race marked out for us will not be easy. And so we need perseverance, other word, resilience. Um, so how can we do that? Before we think too practically, let me just kind of consider a parable of, parable of Jesus with you. Um, uh, and then we'll think a little bit more practically and a, a little bit later. But um, this is what Jesus said. Um, he said, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and added up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And this is a wee key phrase. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. And then the good news comes. Still other seed fell in good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears let them hear and the story is of a farmer sowing seed in four different places and there are four different types of results first place is the path he scattered the seed among the path and um, um, the the seed was quickly eaten up and this kind of represents where the word of god was heard but not listened to and instantly maybe our minds might turn today to people who've maybe sat in a church uh, service or maybe been to like some sort of evangelistic event they've heard the word of God really clearly presented the word of God was heard but it wasn't listened to and they walked out the door with no change in their life um, but I do think there's a danger sometimes we hear stories of Jesus or we read God's word and we think we always think of someone else and so in this case with this particular angle of the story you know I think it's worth considering how our response to God's word can often be like the hard path how many times have you read this book, closed it again, and gone away and not really paid any attention? Or how many times you've been in events or gatherings, I guess and you've been challenged by something, but you haven't done anything about it. Sometimes, actually, our hearts can be hard. We can ignore and forgot, forget what is talked about. And so for spiritual growth to happen, the ground of our hearts need to be soft. Regular rejection of God's word leads to hardness of heart. So how can, you know, a question to develop and grow resilience and faith is how can our hearts be soft continually? Um, second place, um, where the seed lands is in rocky places. There's immediate and quick growth. Um, and because there's no room for the seed to grow down, it has to grow up. It has to grow somewhere. So rather than growing down, it grows up. And so it seems immediately dramatic. But without roots to keep it firm and secure, 
as soon as the sun came up, the young plants got scorched and died. Now, I'm no scientist, okay, single C, or C in single science, GCSE, but it seems to me that there wasn't enough soil to sustain the plant. The fact the soil was shallow meant that there was no roots. And over the years, uh, I spent a decade in youth ministry, and so maybe I'm exposed to this more than most, but or more than some. But, you know, I've begun to, it's kind of troubled me to see so many people start well with Jesus, only this, you know, teenagers and 20-somethings start well with Jesus, but walk away after a while. And it's probably led me to this type of work but, and, th and thought, but uh, an issue and theme. But it's also caused me to consider then what really matters, what really helps to put down roots and develop long-haul faith. Um, it's kind of the opposite of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. This rootedness, depth, and stability. Discipleship is a process of slow growth. It takes time. Eugene Peterson said that it was a long obedience in the same direction, and I love that phrase about discipleship, a long obedience in the same direction. And so for resilience to happen, actually we need to pay attention not just to how fast someone or, or we grow, but actually to how we grow, how well we grow, not just to growth, but health, um, spiritual depth. Um, it takes 60 years for an oak tree to grow. It takes six hours for a mushroom to grow. I know which one I'd rather be, okay? Um, I, I still have yet to find out why God put mushrooms on the world, but I'm sure there's a purpose for it, you know. But uh, actually, wh what do you want to be? If you want to be a, an oak tree, you want to take time, pay attention to your roots. Such a temptation to take shortcuts. We're in a hurry, aren't we? We click for next day delivery. We complain if the food in the, in the restaurant hasn't arrived on time. We're in a hurry. Following Jesus isn't just for a season, it's for all of our lives. And just look for the next thing to keep us going. What really sustains us? And then the third response um, takes on a kind of similar pattern. Other seed fell among thorns, grew up and choked the plants. So it feels similar, you know, um, starts out well, but it's choked by the thistles and the thorns. And it reminds me of those whose faith develops kind of on the sunshine and the mountaintops, but struggles in the valley. Um, Somewhere along the line, I think some, too many people have believed the lie that if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to go well. And I think resilience is understanding that that isn't true. And it's also realizing that we aren't immune from trouble or hardship. It's like James said, to consider it joy when we face trials of many kind. Why? Because the testing of our faith produces perseverance or the testing of our faith produces resilience. James says it's a joy to face trial because actually they give us an opportunity, the tests and trials give us an opportunity to grow. So resilient disciples won't just turn away from God whenever tests and trials come, but they will actually use those tests and trials to lean into God as an opportunity or as an invitation to lean into God. Um, discipleship helps us to navigate the thorns and the thistles. And lastly, and then I'll get you to chat. To somebody beside you, this last part of the story, which is the hopeful part, okay? So, so far, it's been pretty bad news. 75% of the crop has been eaten up or scorched or withered or whatever. And maybe we might think that's a pretty bad return, okay? Only 25% of the crop has developed or grown. 
but and I'm a better mathematician than, a, than I am a scientist, okay? If a crop, if 25% of a crop grows 30, 60, or 100 times, that's a significant multiplication than what was there before. So it sounds like it's a defeating parable or a negative parable, but actually it's a positive and hopeful story. It's not just a parable about the inevitability of people falling away. It's actually Jesus is telling a story about growth and fruitfulness and multiplication. His kingdom grows, starts like a mustard seed, but it grows, it multiplies. And how it multiplies is through soil, sorry, through seed that goes into soil, grows and develops root, deep roots and flourishes and multiplies and grows. Some disciples, Jesus says, will remain shallow. Some disciples will get choked by the weeds, but some disciples will grow and flourish and multiply what was sown. So the seeds that grow and flourish actually have a disproportionate impact. They have a disproportionate impact. This is the hopeful part of the story. And so why is there a critical need for resilient discipleship? Not just, although yes, not just to kind of keep people safe, not just to keep people in Christ and, uh, so that they arrive at heaven okay, but actually to have kingdom growth and fruitful multiplication through their lives to bring kingdom impact because the seeds that grow and multiply will have a disproportionate impact. So that's kind of the framing, I suppose, of what I want to do in the first little part, and I'll get a bit more practical in the second part. But I'd love you just to maybe reflect for a couple of minutes with somebody beside you. Um, why, why, just reflect on what you've heard, actually. You can, you, can, you can read those questions or you can ignore them, but just reflect with somebody beside you and what you've heard and maybe the, kind of the importance of this theme and maybe where you see it resonating in terms of life or ministry that you're involved in. Is that all right? So have a chat for a few minutes and then I'll come back in a moment. About 15, 10 or 15 minutes left, and just in that time, I want to explore or just give you a little overview of some of the themes that uh, I suppose I have, um, I suppose I, I've, I've reflected on and, and, and begun to think that are really helpful and, and important to help to build and develop this type of resilience. The commercial break is obviously these are all uh, explored more and unpacked in much more detail in, in the book, um, which is on the Faith Mission Bookstand book today, and. Um, I, I've picked 11, um, in the book I've picked 11 principles and practices, and so there's a chapter on, on each. I'll pick out possibly, well I've, I've got five, I think at the time that we have, I might get three or four today, but these are kind of five of them. The cost of discipleship, spiritual disciplines, um, Christian community, tests and trials or challenges is the chapter in the book, and then the need for outward focus, which is basically three chapters, which I'll, I'll maybe mention later. So let me just pick up a few. Um, embracing the cost is, is the first one. Uh, chapter two of the book focuses on the cost of discipleship, and in it I basically suggest that comfort is one of the biggest obstacles to faith. Comfort is one of the biggest obstacles of faith. Faith erodes whenever we avoid trouble or we downplay the cost, and I hinted at that with the Shackleton quote there in the main session. Um, and actually, the more we learn to embrace a cost, the more we are prepared to sacrifice or serve. You know, in reading the Gospels, it seems sometimes that Jesus was actually trying to put people off. You know, he tells a rich man to sell everything. Uh, com compares following him. So it tells his disciples, actually, that encourages people to forsake their own family members. 
and compares following him with a brutal form of execution. Okay, it's not going to get them bringing in, uh, coming flying through the doors on a Sunday morning, is it? You know, it seems like he was trying to put them off. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And with Jesus, it wasn't just a metaphor, literal. His approach isn't an advertiser's dream, and yet those are some of the things that Jesus chose to emphasize. Then why is it that I choose to emphasize lots of the benefits and downplay the cost whenever I'm sharing the gospel? In Ocean's Eleven, there's this brilliant scene. It's helpful for a men's conference, you know. Brilliant little scene. George Clooney comes into a group of 11 other men, 10 other men, actually. And he, he's hatched a plan to rob, I can't remember whether it's a bank or a casino, but he, he gets them all together around a swimming pool. Silence falls in the room. Clooney walks in, Danny Ocean walks into there. And he says to them, gentlemen, what I'm about to propose to you is both highly lucrative and highly challenging. Sorry, highly dangerous. Highly lucrative and highly dangerous. In other words, it's going to make us, could make us rich, but we might die, okay? And uh, now following Jesus isn't lucrative, okay? You've probably learned that by now. But it is, there's a high reward, okay? But also Jesus was saying there's a high cost. Billy Graham said it better than George Clooney. He says salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything you have. An underpinning principle of resilience is being aware that there's a cost or a suffering at some level. If we disciple others, are we emphasizing that to them? Because discipleship built on comfort and consumerism attracts a crowd, but is help it's hard to develop resilience and long-haul faith. And I've seen that in ministry I've been involved in um, as I look back as well. When we're focused on attracting and entertaining more than preparing and entertaining, it leads to short-term, sorry, preparing and equipping, it leads to short-term response over depth down the line. So how are we acknowledging, embrace, acknowledging the cost to others, but also embracing the cost ourselves as well? What's following Jesus costing us? It's going to be worth reflecting on that. Because actually, the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So actually, when we're able to embrace the hard things, it actually catalyzes fresh growth. Um, it's why those exposed to persecution often display the most vibrant of faith. <laughs> people say that like they're surprised sometimes. They, they talk about, you know, those people in those countries and they're getting persecuted, and, and yet their faith is so vibrant. Yeah, their faith is so vibrant because they've learned to count the cost. Uh, and the, it's actually the challenge that is, and the discomfort that has actually catalyzed their uh, faith, the conditions have enabled their growth. And on some ways, and I, I kind of reflected on it earlier, you know, in some ways, we have watched people in the last two years drift to the fringes of faith and fellowship. But I've also observed a more committed core as well. People here, you, you're still here. You know, people who've persevered and said, actually, I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to commit. I'm still going to serve. Um, so are we prepared or how are we prepared to continue to embrace the cost and acknowledge that to others? Be men, men who don't just do things when it feels good, but rejecting convenience and counting the cost. Um, there you go. Another Bonhoeffer quote. I love Bonhoeffer. So when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Challenging. There's cost. Um, secondly, kind of another uh, theme that I explore in the book is the idea of spiritual disciplines or habits. Again, not that sexy or exciting maybe to talk about, but um, again, this sort of idea, remember the theme of the, ice, of the image of the iceberg, how can we invest in what's below the surface of our life and faith? And um, much of that involves 
developing rhythms and routines, spiritual habits and disciplines that actually in some ways are actually becoming more to the core, actually, or more to the fore in terms of um, there's kind of almost this new monasticism movement that's, that's emerging where actually spiritual rhythms and disciplines are being emphasized more because people realize that they need a rhythm to sustain them. Without a habit or without a rhythm, we, it's just good intention. Most mornings involve, and I do talk about this little picture in the book, but most mornings involve, over the last couple of years, have involved me fighting to put a spoonfuls of porridge into the mouth of, of our four-year-old. He's just turned four. And, uh, oh, it's, goodness me, it's probably the biggest battle in, in our lives, uh, or it's felt like it anyway. You know, without me literally putting the spoon into his mouth, he simply wouldn't eat. But he's turned four now. And so part of our parenting process is trying to teach him, force him, help him, enable him to feed himself. Because he can't, you know, I can't follow him about with a spoon for the rest of his life. And so over the last few months, we've been transitioning into that, okay, you pick up the spoon. I'm not doing it for you. You're picking up the spoon. And there's all sorts of timers and bribes and all sorts of parenting techniques that are, some are successful and some aren't, you know. But we're getting there. He's learning to feed himself. Up the other end of the table, there's an eight-year-old who's learned to do that for himself. Now, he still needs my encouragement. He still needs my, you know, maybe you need to talk a bit less and eat a bit more. But actually, he's learned to feed himself. Still needs us, but has learned. To build resilience, we need to go beyond being spoon-fed Christians, consumers who just expect the answer and wait for others to teach us. We learn, we need to learn to feed ourselves. And at the heart of abiding of that is abiding in Christ daily and building patterns of regular reading the Bible, prayer, fast and silent solitude. They're not spectacular, but they're foundational. A chapter of the book explores five of those um, in a bit more detail. Um, not just spoon feeding, but teaching deep. Um, third one I talk about is experiencing Christian community. And for me, this is a central pillar, particularly for a younger generation or a coming generation, this aspect of really attaching our lives to the local church, the body of Christ. Um, Christianity is not a solo sport, okay? To pick up the theme we're running again, people think it's, it's, a, it's a solo sport, but actually, I run further and I run faster whenever I run with others. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something about this kind of team or group dynamic that brings us on. And it's the same with following Jesus. Christianity is not a solo sport. We need others. And um, Hebrews 10 says it like this, says, let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. As some are in, not giving up the habit, as some are in the habit of meeting. So it appears that the writer to the Hebrews in their day some people were giving up the habit of meeting together with other Christians. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine some people giving up the habit of meeting together. Feels relevant, doesn't it? They're even more important when maybe perhaps we're tempted to treat discipleship as a digital download or engage with church from the comfort of our sofas or the safety of screens. We can't do discipleship without the body of Christ. It requires genuine and authentic Christian community where we'll be see someone else respond to God in the midst of trial. Guys, we're talking about it downstairs, you know, where we'll maybe prayer is modeled to us, where we can admit that weakness that we were talking about earlier, where we can talk to others about the implications of our faith every day, where we can learn from others and learn from the wisdom of others, you know. And it feels like in recent years, there's been a growing number of people who've decided they quite like Jesus, but they're not sure about his bride. 
And uh, many people have chosen to try to do faith on their own without the church. Maybe that's been some of your kind of reflections. Or, and I get, I get it. You know, I get why people have walked away. I get why people have been frustrated with the church. And yet, I just don't see another way. You know, I've read the New Testament, and I don't see that God has a plan B. I, don't, I remain convinced that resilient faith can't be built without the body of Christ. So if we're going to see resilient faith, we're going to build resilient faith in ourselves and see it in others. We need to help people to be committed to or at least connect with the body of, the body of Christ. And then the last one I'll touch on for this little session is facing tests and trials. And this is chapter 8 in the book, which I call, I think, Facing Challenges. Um, and it's understanding that followers of Jesus, firstly, aren't immune from suffering. So understanding that our, ourselves. And then to pick up those James verses from earlier, that actually our faith is tested and we, our, our faith grows, persevere through testing and trial. Um, and I use the kind of parable of the wise and foolish builders in this, in this chapter to, to think about that in terms of the, that the storm came to both the wise and the foolish man and reflect on that a little bit. But suffering can be the greatest teacher. And so what if the moments of difficulty and darkness that we will face in our lives ahead, or maybe even present, become opportunities where our faith can be shaped and strengthened by God through meeting God in the midst of the wilderness or the fire. As you read the, read the Bible, you see that so often where God meets his people, burning bush, wilderness, fiery furnace, um, wilderness again with Jesus. You know, so many metaphors. Um, exile, Daniel and his friends. Um, how can we embrace te- times of testing and trial? How can we learn, understand that actually following Jesus won't all mean smiles and comfort, but actually testing and trial? Um, and then just, uh, I, won't, I won't kind of talk about it, but three chapters in the book. Um, first of all, the idea that disciples of Jesus are to contrast the world around them. So actually that's our posture. It's not always to reflect the world, it's to contrast, we're to be a contrast people. Secondly, how we can faithfully engage with our culture. So not try to escape the world as Christians and hide away, but also not to embrace everything that the world says, but actually to engage faithfully as a kind of creative minority. And there's tensions in that, there's, there's kind of difficulties in that, but actually that we need outward focus. Um, in order to be, resilience will mean engaging with the culture, um, even if we don't like it. Um, and the last one of that is how we can f- share our faith with courage, how we can be like those ordinary and unschooled men um, as well. Um, time's short, so I won't, I won't take the time to kind of to kind of unpack that too much, but those are, those are the themes. Um, if with more time, I might get you just to, yeah, so that, Resilience means our faith won't be, won't be just safe but, um, um, or stagnant as well, but actually that we'll be, we'll be growing and sharing. Um, if with more time, I might get you to reflect on some of those, but just maybe as I close, maybe just look at and discuss that with others. But uh, for the sake of time, maybe just as you look at those five themes, maybe you might want to, as a takeaway, reflect on which one of those is most present or pertinent or challenging to you? What do you need most? 
in your life and faith right now. Maybe just you reflect that. That's, that's what you're taking away with you from this session, to actually consider that. Maybe I've just provoked a bit, bit of thought and got you thinking. And maybe you want to reflect on that and, and think how you could step into that. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. We really hope and pray that God's Word has spoken to your heart and that His Holy Spirit has empowered you to go out and be an effective man, that people would look at you and really take note that you've been with Jesus. If we can help you or your church in any way in engaging and in reaching men, both inside and outside the church, this is a huge need in our time and in our world at this moment please go on to our website rumble.vision and send us an email reach out to us we would love to get a coffee and to talk to you about some of the things that we have that can help you at a local level but we do hope that you can join us again soon for our next episode be blessed and we'll see you again soon